Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. I was just minding my own business. I was just minding my own business. I just wanted to be left alone. I was just doing my own thing. And then, well, something got involved in my business. And now, well, it's becoming your business. I know you don't even know what I'm talking about. That's that's okay. That's okay. Oh, let's do this. Welcome, everyone. It is Monday, September the 19th. 2022. It is currently 1049 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central Studio located right here in Abilene, Texas, where I was minding my own business. Just leave me alone. Everything was fine. Everything was calm. Everything was wonderful. There was a sense of quiet and peace. An empty house, just me, just just quiet, peaceful, Everything was great until, 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 until I get a notification on my iPad, a notification on my iPad. And this is how, what, this is what it says. Can we overcome this natural tendency to sin? That's the notification I received Can we overcome this natural tendency to sin? This comes to us from the podcast Real Life with Jack Hibbs. Uh, I think this came from their their app. I think that's where the notification came from. Because obviously this weekend, he preached a sermon dealing with this idea, can we overcome the natural tendency to sin? Now, I know what I think the answer should be. I, I think I know it should be simple. It should be straightforward, but it should be said loud. However, I think most Christians strongly, strongly disagree with my perspective on this. So let me just once again lay out my philosophy, okay, about Christianity. Not a, I know that I'm in the minority of the minority of the minority of the minority, but this is the way I think Christianity works. There is the Christianity we sell, right? Come on, call right now. You get Christianity and you get this. You can overcome sin and you can have happiness and contentment and everything will be wonderful and you'll be blessed and your marriage will be better and you'll be a better parent and everything's going to be great and rainbows will appear and unicorns will run across your front yard and and four-leaf clovers will will grow up in your grass. And I mean, whatever. We just paint this like it's like a fantasy land. Like, like you become a Christian and it's all great and everything's wonderful and everything's great. Call now. Wait, there's even more. You get power. You get knowledge. You have God talking to you basically 24 hours a day, telling you where to go, who to marry, where, what store to buy groceries from, what road to take, where to park. I mean, you get everything. That's the way Christianity is sold. And if you say that it's not, I'm sorry, you're just not paying attention. We sell Christianity. Jesus is the solution to everything. You've got bad hair, get Jesus. You'll have good hair. You've got bad teeth, get Jesus. He will fix it. Jesus is the problem for loneliness. Jesus is the problem for anxiety. I'm sorry, Jesus is the solution for loneliness. Jesus is the solution for everything, for depression, for anxiety, for worry. Jesus will fix everything. And so many times we're so busy offering Jesus as the solution to everything, we forget to offer him as a solution, I don't know, 
to our sin, to saving us from sin. And, but then even when it comes to sin, we're like, hey, you become, you become a Christian, you get Jesus, and you'll, you'll, you can overcome any sin, any, anything. It doesn't matter what it is. If you struggle with this, same-sex attraction, you get Jesus, boom, same-sex attraction is gone. You're a heterosexual who wants to have physical relations with many women, you become a Christian, boom, it goes away. I mean, you'll be content, you'll be happy, you'll be satisfied. It's perfect. That's the Christianity. That is the way it's sold. And I'm sorry, anyone who denies that, not paying attention to what's going on in the evangelical world, and it's been going on for a very long time. So that's the Christianity that is sold. But wait, there's another Christianity. It's the Christianity we pretend Okay, there's the Christianity we sell, there's the Christianity that is sold, and there's the Christianity that we pretend. What do I mean by that? It's the Christianity we pretend to have. We pretend that we've overcome all of our sin problems. We pretend, we pretend, and we pretend that everything is wonderful and everything is great, and we put on a smiling face, and how are you doing? Better than I deserve. I'm blessed. Everything is wonderful. Everything is great. And we put on this mask that everything is wonderful. Everything is great. The world is a bunch of sinners. The world stabs people in the back. The world is dishonest. The world is filled with lust. But hey, us Christians, we never stab anyone in the back. We never gossip. We never slander. We're wonderful. And we pretend. And a lot of times Christianity, to me, is nothing more than dress up because nobody can really be honest and real about what's going on. Because if you're too honest or too real, then your Christianity gets called into question. Right? So there's the Christianity that is sold. There's the Christianity that we pretend And then there is the Christianity of reality, the Christianity we actually experience, the Christianity that you experience Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And guess what? So many times the Christianity you actually experience, the Christianity you actually have, guess what? So many times it is so different than what was sold to you. And you know what this leads to? This leads to discouragement, disillusionment, confusion, doubt, And it can lead to, well, deconstruction. I think a lot of the deconstruction that you see on TikTok and on social media where people are deconstructing their faith, I want to say you're not deconstructing biblical Christianity. You're deconstructing from a Christianity that was sold to you. You you You're deconstructing from churchianity, not Christianity. Because the church sold you something and you came to a conclusion, wait a minute, I'm not experiencing this. This is not real. And I want to say exactly because they lied to you. So there is the Christianity that is sold. There's the Christianity that Christians try to pretend that they actually have. And then there's the real Christianity. The Christianity, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, when no one is around, when no one is looking, when you're not having to put on the little fake church smile and you can say what's really going on, the struggles you're really having, the frustration you're really having, the sin that is really there maybe when no one is looking. And so much of Christianity cannot seem to deal with trafficking and living in the reality. We have to live in the pretend. We dress it up. Oh, we make it look good. But man, there is a reality here that no one wants to talk about. Now, that is my philosophy. 
when it comes to sin and overcoming sin. I think Christianity is constantly, when it comes to that particular area, lives in the realm of what we're selling and what we're pretending, but not in the realm of what we're actually experiencing. So when I saw this, I knew what I had to do. I knew that we were going to have to review it. So I found it took me forever to find the audio. But remember, this is from Real Life with Jack Hibbs. Real Life from Jack Hibbs. And the notification simply reads, can we overcome the natural tendency to sin? Can we overcome the natural tendency to sin? I clicked on that notification and it took me to a sermon called The Original Sinner. Ooh. All right. Let's go to Real Life with Jack Hibbs. The original sinner. And let's see if what he's going to tell us about our natural tendency to sin and we can overcome it. And if we can overcome our natural tendency to sin, what should be the lo- what should be the logical conclusion that we should derive from that? Hey, you can overcome the natural tendency to sin. Okay. Should that mean then, I don't know, we stop sinning? Is that is that where he's going to go? I don't know. We're getting ready to find out. Here we go. Remember, I was minding my own business. They, they, they interfered with my minding my own business. Now I'm interfering with you. You're like, I was just minding my own business. And I get this notification that, wait, Theology Central's going live. I was having a peaceful, quiet day. And now here he is talking about three different kinds of Christianity. The one is sold, the one we pretend, and the one we actually have. And now he's bringing all of these issues to me. Why is he doing this to me? I, look, I feel your pain. Why did the Jack Hibbs ministry feel like that they should do this to me? I don't know, but we're in it together. So sit back. May want something to drink. Like something strong. I'm joking. I'm joking. Okay. A notebook, a pencil. I don't know. I don't even know if we're going to need a notebook or a pencil. I don't know if we're going to even need a Bible. I don't know what we're going to need, but we're about to find out over the next 25 minutes and 44 seconds. So have you ever had your child, maybe grandchild, uh, be standing in the kitchen with cookie dust on their face or on their little fingers, and you notice that there's missing cookies from the counter, you just bake them, and you ask them, where'd the cookies go? Did you touch those? And they say to you, right to your face, I don't know. The evidence is on their face, the evidence is on their hands, but they are denying that they had any involvement in the missing cookies. How is it that little kids know that from the beginning? It could be that or some other things. Maybe somebody, uh, as a young child, you know, uh, the little one turns and says no. And you're shocked as you're raising this sweet, cute little thing that's been created, you know, in the image of you, looks like you, looks like your husband or looks like your wife and you, and and so cute, dressed up so nice. And all of a sudden this thing comes out. Where did that come from? The Bible tells us exactly where that comes from. It comes from you and I, including that little sweet baby of yours or grandchild. It comes from being a son or daughter of Adam and Eve. The Bible addresses this issue. The issue of original sin is something that people don't even want to think about. How terrible to say that a little child is a sinner. Well, a little child is a very cute little sinner. The truth of the matter is, it's because every one of us have within us the DNA of Adam. 
Not only are we actual scientific descendants of Adam, but what's more very powerful is that we have Adam's S-I-N positive nature. We have Adam's sin nature. So we're going to be looking at a study today that deals with original sin. It deals with who Adam was and how we became the sons and daughters of Adam based upon the choices he made. And so today you and I need to be very careful about the choices we make, that we are no longer conducting ourselves like sons and daughters of Adam, but rather sons and daughters of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's grab our Bibles and see what God's Word has to say about that. Okay, kind of interesting. Kind of, he's really kind of, I, I just, it just it's, it's, it's interesting how so many people, how different people within Christianity view the concept of original sin. It's like, well, we just have a na- kind of a natural bent towards it. Just kind of a natural tendency versus, no, you are totally depraved and dead in your trespasses and sin. Are we just kind of like a little bit corrupted, just a little bit? Or no, you're, that child is a viper in diapers. That, that child is completely, totally depraved. They they are sinful. Now, some, and I understand from a, from a worldly perspective, in other words, from the, the perspective of the world, that is almost considered psychological damaging, almost considered, you know, mental child abuse. I understand that. From a theological perspective, though, how do you see the depravity that we are born with? Just like, it's, well, it's just a natural kind of tendency that way. Or do you feel like, no, we are completely... 100% corrupted. And here's the here's an important question. Can we simply overcome that natural tendency, that that total depravity, that sin simply by choosing not to act upon it? In other words, is the Christianity is Christianity really nothing more than God gives us his word and all we have to do is choose the right thing? That's all we have to do. And we can overcome sin just by our choice. It's, it's, the, it's the secret to Christianity and to living a holy life. Is it simply you just choose to do so? God says, be ye holy as he is holy. And you can sit, simply choose to be that holy. You're supposed to love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. You can just choose to do so. You're not to look at a woman with lust. You can just choose not to. Is it that simple that the Christian life can be accomplished simply merely by our choice? Now, some people say, no, 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 no. It's not your choice, but it's your choice plus the power of God. Then you can overcome all of that. Well, then the natural question is, so then can you be sinless? Well, no, 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 no. Well, if I can't be sinless, that means then there is a limit to what I can do. So how, where, do, then where do we put the limit? You put the limit as, well, you can't be perfect, but you can be, I, there's so much here that I just don't think Christians are re- very willing to actually struggle with. Everybody wants a simple answer and move on. I don't know where he's going to go, but let's listen to Jack Hibbs. Now take this apart. Again, it's his message called The Original Sinner. I guess, does this appear this weekend? I don't know. Was this the message at his church this weekend? Inquiring minds want to know. I don't have all of that information because remember, I was just minding my own business, right? Okay, so here we go. Now he's going to have his, you know, big theme music. All right, let's, let's, let's listen to this. Here we go.
Galatians 2, verse 20. This is a thrilling verse. It sounds like... Oh, boy. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Is this a thrilling verse? (laughs) I, I don't know. Oh, boy. Here we go. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is an early verse that I memorized as a young Christian, that I am crucified with Christ. And I, and I said, and I'm leaving again, nevertheless, I, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And I quoted that and quoted that, memorized it, memorized it, memorized it and kept thinking, okay, I'm crucified. Now Christ lives in me. Boom. Sin no more. I am going to go and sin no more because I've been crucified with Christ. It's going to be complete spiritual. What am I doing again and 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 again? I kept sinning. Now, maybe, maybe you're like, well, I don't know what was, you're not saved. Well, okay, well, congratulations. I'm glad you've got it all figured out. Just make sure I don't have access to, well, everything you're doing in your life, especially what's going on inside of your mind and your heart, because I may find out that you're not either. A contradiction. It's not. My old self has been crucified with Christ. The day I came to know Jesus, I found out that he died for me. And I didn't want to live for me anymore. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Want to read this backwards? This is how this works. Because the Son of God loves me and gave himself for me, I don't trust in myself. I trust in him. He's proven himself trustworthy. And for that matter, I want to live for him completely. And regarding my past, I want it dead. I don't want anything to do with that. So church, mark this down if you would, verses 12 to 14. I I love Christians. I love Christians sitting in a sermon and someone's like, and now I no longer want to live for myself. And I was like, amen. I'm like, wait, nobody goes, wait, I no longer want to live for myself. Is that true of me? I no longer want to live for myself. If you no longer want to live for yourself, should not sinless perfection be the natural thing that would flow from that? I no longer want to live for myself. It's just gone. That tendency to live for myself has been gone. It's been crucified. Now I no longer want to live for myself. Man, if if Christians no longer wanted to live for yourself, why has there ever been a Christian marriage that ended in divorce? Why has there ever been a church split? Why has there ever been an issue? Christians will just say, amen. I, I, sometimes the amens in church, I, sometimes I'm like, oh. no, no, I don't think you should be saying amen. You probably should be like, wait, oh me, because I don't know if that is. But I, I understand saying amen is acceptable. I'm not. It's just sometimes we say amen and I don't think we know what we're saying. Amen. It's like, you just said amen to that. Do you not know the logical conclusion that should lead you to 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 come to? Well, if, if we no longer live with ourselves, why do you keep sinning? Because <laughs> that would seem to indicate you're living for yourself. 
wanted dead and alive at the same time is the way our God works. That we are pronounced dead on arrival is our first argument. According to the Bible, Psalm 51 verse 5, the Bible says, Behold, David is speaking, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. He's not, be, he's not bashing his mom. Listen to what David is saying. He's saying, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. David was saying, King David was announcing, Even when I was inside my mom, the, tr- the theological truth is, I was a sinner. You say, how can that be? He didn't commit any sin. He wasn't in there like graffitiing his mother's. <laughs> he wasn't etching his, David was here. <laughs> he wasn't doing that. And then when it says that, and in sin my mother conceived me, he's not saying that his mother was some woman of the night. He's saying, even in a loving relationship, when the baby's conceived, the, the sin factor's still there. What are we talking about? This is one of the foundational verses to what is known as original sin. Do you know it's in us? And this is quite thrilling. Watch this. Hopefully you'll get this. We're going to learn about the law, that God gave the law to expose to us how bad we needed him because the law is perfect and we're not, okay? You say, yeah, but before Moses brought the law, who was guilty of sin? Human race was ever since Adam. Yeah, but there was no law. Good question. You're arguing the point perfectly. We are sons and daughters of Adam. Even without the Ten Commandments, we have Adam's DNA in us. We have in us, in fact, a baby, listen, a baby dies. Why? What sin is the baby guilty of? Any sin? What sin did the baby commit? And the baby dies at two weeks old after birth. Why? The baby died. The Bible says that death comes from sin. But the baby didn't commit any sin. Why'd the baby die? It's a good question. The baby was related to Adam. You may have a little baby in your life. Cute little things. Right? And they get to some age. I don't know what it is. It differs. One, one and a half, two. Definitely two. And they're, they're lying to you. Where, where's this? I don't know. Did you just do that? I didn't. Well, there's nobody else in the room. I don't know how it got like that. Right? You didn't teach them that. And they don't even know the Ten Commandments. They don't even know it says, Thou shalt not lie, <laughs> steal, or murder. They don't know that, but they do it. Why do they do it? Because Adam's DNA is in them, spiritually speaking. You and I teach our kids how to do good. It's kind of interesting that he's referring to depravity as Adam's DNA. They have Adam's DNA. 
They have a sinful nature. They are corrupt. They are dead in their trespasses and sins. They are sinners. It's interesting why he's, it would be interesting why he's using this phrase. They have Adam's DNA. They have Adam's DNA. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. It's just an interesting phrase. I don't think I ever used, I don't think I've ever used, hey, you have Adam's DNA to describe you are a sinner by nature. You are a sinner from conception. You're not a sinner because you sin. You sin because you are a sinner. Like I, um, it's just interesting that he's using this phrase. You, you may have heard this phrase. If you have, you can let me know. I don't think I've ever heard the phrase, but it, it is interesting. We do not need to teach them how to do bad. Why? Proof that they are sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. You see, you mentioned Eve, but there's no Eve in the narrative. I haven't read a thing about Eve. It's true. Eve's not in the story because Adam's the one that's in trouble here. And you need to know the reason why. Remember the serpent, Satan speaks to Eve and he deceives her and she sins. Adam didn't sin. Listen carefully. Adam never sinned. He did something worse. Sin is to miss the mark. If you sin, you miss the mark. Adam lied to Eve. Eve fell for the pitch and she went for it and she missed the mark. Adam sins or Adam comes into the story later. Eve shows him what she's done. Adam, the Bible tells you in the New Testament, didn't sin. He transgressed. That's way worse when you tell your kid, now don't go past the... Hmm, interesting. Sin and transgression are different levels of wrong. Sin, you're just missing the mark. Transgress is something different. So that means it, there are times that we can simply sin and there's times we can simply transgress. Is this like mortal and venial? Is transgression different than, 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 than simply sin? This is an interesting concept. I, I'll be interested to know what people think. Do you, do you see? And so then how do you classify when it's a transgression and when it's a sin? Do, do we really have a mortal venial category breaking out here, right? That, hey, this is the, the Protestant version of, hey, guys, no, that's a transgression. She just sinned. He transgressed. Sometimes what you do in your life, you're just simply missing the mark. It's just a sin. And there's other times you're transgressing, transgressing. What's the consequence of one being worse than the other? This line, okay? You guys are going to have a great time, but don't go past this line. And your kids are having a great time, and one loses, a, oh, and crosses the line. I'm sorry, I crossed the line. All right, don't do it again. Okay. He sinned. When you say, hey, you guys have a great time, don't cross this line. Who are you to tell me about crossing this line? Says Adam. What, this line right here? You don't want me to cross this line? You mean this line right here? That's called transgression. Adam looked at Eve. He looked at God. He looked at Eve. He looked at God. And Adam bit in. He chose to. Hmm. So Eve just kind of made a mistake. Adam just, he looked at Eve. He looked at God. He looked at Eve. He looked at God. And like, watch me. And he, and he took a bite. Is that, is that the, 
This is an interesting. Okay, this is why this is why we listen to things because I like to be challenged. So so far, we're giving the idea that there is there is two levels of sin. There's the transgression level, and there is the sin level. All right, sin is just missing the mark. Transgression is just like bold, like I'm just purposely going to do this. To go with her. It's very romantic, but it's a mess things up royally. <laughs> we see that death is sin's great witness. Death is sin's great witness. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, listen to this, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned, Mark this down. The great witness, if sin is real or not, is the fact of death, vice versa. How do you know that sin is real because of death? If you are a biologist in here, a chemist, you know that every seven years, the human body, your human body, mine, tries to reboot itself in its metabolism. It's trying to do new life again. But it fails every time it tries. Every, basically every seven years. Your body tries to reboot itself. It's like it's struggling. If your body could talk to you about itself, it would say, something's wrong. My liver, my heart, my lungs were built forever. They could last forever. Something's wrong. I'm dying. And the Bible says that's because of sin. The moment sin came into the world, death came into the world. Adam and Eve bit into the fruit and God said, the day that you eat of it, you'll die. Oh, they lived 900 years plus. They didn't die. Oh, yes, they did. They died instantly spiritually. The inside of them, so to speak, just shriveled away and died. And we've been born dead, as it were, on arrival, spiritually speaking. That's why Jesus says you need to be born again. But it's remarkable to me. Look at the word through. The word means on account of, because of another. Therefore, just as through one man, that is Adam, Adam's sin has been passed through all of us, even though we never met him. That word means the consequences of, as the conduit, and by transfer, being passed down the line, as it were, from generation to generation. Death is sin's great witness. The word sin right here means to miss that target. It means to miss the mark. It's taken from the Olympic Games. It wasn't offensive in its original context, where... An archer would be at the Olympic Games back in Greece 2,000 years ago. They would shoot an arrow. They'd miss the target. And the judge would yell back, sinner! The guy didn't cry. He didn't start sucking his thumb. He just got another arrow and tried again. <laughs> Wasn't an insult. The Bible's communicating to us that every single one of us have missed perfection. We're not perfect. Why is that the case? Because there's sin in the world and sin in our lives. And so death holds man captive. And then look at the word entered. Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered the world. This is a, this word, look at it on the screen. It's kind of creepy. 
So sin entered the world, and the Bible says when that happened, death came. So we'll end with this, because we're out of time. Is The word means to go into. Insertion. Penetrate. To come inside of. To invade. Watch this. Or to invite in the invader. When I read that, you know what I thought about? Um, remember the Trojan horse in the war? It was a gift. Here, we're at war with you, but here's a big gift. It's a gigantic horse with wheels on it. Can you imagine? Oh, thank you very much. And they pull it into town. They pull it in behind the gates of the city. Right? They pull it in. Isn't that nice? Our enemies just gave us this big, big horse. Let's go to bed. So they go to sleep, and in the middle of the night, the belly of it opens up, and all the enemy warriors come out. They invited the invaders in. And by the way, that's how sin works. It invades. It invades in ideas. It invades in concepts. Today, we live in a world where it's invading into our home. The invasion. Oh, I can't stand. Sin is not invading your home. Sin is already in your home because the sinners live there. Christians always do this weird thing. Like on one hand, we're all, we're all sinners. And then sin is invading our home. Sin is invading this sin. Sin is already there. Every human being is totally depraved. Sin does not have to invade. Sin is already there. Wherever there is a person, wherever you are, sin is present. Sin does not have to invade the church. It's already present in the church. Sin does not have to invade the life of a Christian. Sin is already in the Christian. Sin is on our screens. It's on our apps. The invasion comes. But I, I want to leave you with this. It's not just America. I know it feels like it, and we hear so much about this, but it's globally right now. It's happening everywhere. Death is sin's great witness. I'm being sarcastic right now. If the Bible's true. If the Bible's true. And people die because of sin. Then what's being done about it? Truly, we want to live. But do we really care to live, really? Do we, honestly, do we really want to be careful enough in our lives to live? Then if it's true, we're going to have to look below the surface. This is a very amazing moment right now. What are we watching in the news? About so much stuff, so many lies. You need to get a vaccine for monkeypox. No, I don't, because I don't do the things that generates monkeypox. And then they tell us some children have monkeypox. Why don't you tell us what homes the children came out of and what happened to them? Why not? Oh, the numbers are up. 
Come on in for another boost. Wait a minute. Let's be honest. Is LA masking up again? They're going to mask. When's, when's election day? They'll, it'd, be, it'll, be maxed, it'll be masked up until the first week of November. Then the mask will suddenly go away. Here's the deal. Why? Why get boosted? Why get vaccinated? What in the world is happening here? Like he's not really explained depravity in any way, shape, or form. And now we're off into conspiratorial concepts of, well, the only reason they want you to mask is because of the election. I know this is so like built into the brains of Christians right now. You can't have any meaningful conversation about it. Maybe, maybe he, he's got to bring this back to depravity somehow. He's got to bring it back to sin somehow. He's got to, I mean, now it's about the things other people are doing. How about, about the the concept is we are the sinners. So uh, he's got to bring it back to us. Let's see where this goes. Why wear the mask? Why social distance? Why, let's be honest, why even wash our hands, if you think about it? I mean, I'm going to wash my hands, and I expect you to wash your hands too. And if any guy's using the guy's bathroom and doesn't wash his hands, then we're going to tackle you. No, No, but you know, you should always wash your hands anyway. But I'm being very sarcastic to make this point. What are you afraid of? You can get sick. Who cares? Listen, so what? Okay, so let me make sure we understand. What are you afraid of? Amen. You heard someone say, amen. Okay, then why are Christians afraid of shootings? And so therefore they believe everyone should have a gun. I mean, I mean, you can turn this around and go, but what does any of this have to do with depravity? Okay, okay, I'm just, I'm, I don't want to get, I don't want to chase this, this, this rabbit because this rabbit goes nowhere. Let's see if he brings it back to the subject that supposedly this sermon is about. Can I overcome my natural tendency to sin? That's what I want the answer to. Let's see. We're all going to get sick. Don't talk like that. You know, that's where we are. We are living like this now. We should get gigantic crosses and wear them around our neck with garlic and have holy water. Oh my gosh. I'm being sarcastic. What are we afraid of? We're afraid of dying. The Christian is to never to be afraid of dying. All right. Christians are to never be afraid of dying. So you shouldn't be worrying about owning guns and having armed guards in your churches, right? Oh, no, 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 no. That's different. That's different. Okay. Well, is it? or is? Because when it comes to a pandemic, we're like, we shouldn't be afraid of dying. So who cares? Don't wear a mask. Don't get boosted. Don't social distance. Don't even wash your hands. Just do whatever you want. But over here, over here, we've got to be afraid. We've got to be scared. Like, I, it, which is it? I, I don't know. But I, what is this? Any? I want to know what this supposedly is going to have to teach me about depravity, right? Is this, is this a sermon about depravity or is this a sermon about your views on COVID? Why? I don't know how this is going to go. I love, I love how this is. It's a sermon about depravity. Next thing you know, it turns into things about COVID. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of going, man, I'm a sinner. Man, I have got a sinful nature. This is not turning into making anyone feel bad about having a sinful nature. 
This is like those bad people out there. They're trying to take away our rights because of COVID. That's what this is turning into. This is this is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is. I'm, I'm trying to be patient. I'm trying to be patient. All right. All right. Here we go. Here we go. I'm getting ready to start throwing my pencil across the room. Come on. He's got to bring this back to depravity. He's got to. Southern California pastor uh, incites people to lick each other's faces. <laughs> no. What I'm saying is, this is my point. Wash your hands. Be safe. If you're sick, stay home for crying out loud. Mom taught us that thousands of years ago. Here's the thing. We're so concerned about our health, but we're letting our souls go straight to hell. We're washing our hands while our souls are filthy. Put on a mask. Where's the mask for the soul? Where's the mask for your spirit? When you drop dead, listen, when your body's dead, something's going to... You can't put a mask on your soul because your soul's already contaminated with the disease. What do you not understand? You just did a sermon about original sin, and now you're like, we need to put a mask on for our soul. The corruption is already inside of you. His illustration is literally contradicting the sermon. The sermon is about where we have, quote unquote, his words, the DNA of Adam. We are corrupt. We are sinners. Now it's like, no, 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 no. The sin is outside. Put on a mask. You need spiritual protection to keep the sin from getting inside. The sin is already inside. Do you believe in original sin? Or are you going with semi-Pelagianism here? Like on one end, you, you denied Pelagianism. Now you do have this interesting concept that sin and transgression are two different things. In other words, there's different levels. Okay, we still got to unpack that. But I'm still trying to figure out how in the world that this has gone from your sinner to no, 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 the sin is out there. Kill you. It's going to happen. Don't talk like that. You're going to pay taxes and you're going to die. In that order. People don't want to hear the reality of it all. What do I do? Your soul will live forever. The Bible says in heaven or in hell. No washing of the hands, no vax, no mask is going to prevent your soul from entering eternity. You can get ready all you want. God bless you. You do that. You want to live in a bubble? That's, that's America. Do it. Listen, there's no bubble for your soul. There's only the blood of Jesus Christ, my friend. Only his blood will set you free. I I don't know what to say because I'm perplexed at his his doctrine on original sin. I am so perplexed. Now there's still like supposedly six minutes left, right? So I don't know. Are they going to come back and do like a Q and a, I don't know. Let, let's see what, what's going to happen here. I, I really don't remember. I don't, I don't review these things before. I never know what's going to happen. So I'm perplexed that they sent me a notification saying, Hey, can we overcome our tendency to sin and send me a link to this message, which I don't think it's even come close to answering that question. So in our culture today, among our university campuses, maybe even some high school campuses, there's this talk 
about having safe spaces. I personally believe that's dangerous. I think it's wrong because life is not like that. There are no floaties attached to people in life. There's no bumpers around us that protect us from getting scrapes and scratches in life. Life is tough and life is difficult. And the more and the quicker, the sooner we realize that, we also come to the understanding that for life to be lived in a hostile environment, God has given us his word. And regarding this issue of sin, Adam, and what he's passed on to us, understand this. It is true what we mentioned a moment ago. There's there's no vaccine against sin. You can't bubble wrap somebody or you cannot put yourself in a bubble so that you don't come in contact with any viruses that are going to kill you. You could be in a sterile environment, free from all of these scary things that people are terrified about. But the reality is still this, that you and I have this sin coursing through our bodies that is bringing about death. The Bible says there was no death in the world until sin entered the world. That's what the Bible says. And I believe that's a fact. The truth is this, for you and I to know the liberating power of God is to understand that Jesus is the great physician that administers to us not only, as it were, a vaccine against sin. It's even better than that. Jesus administers a vaccine against sin. It's But wait, there's more. Remember, I started by saying how Christianity is so. This is the selling of it. You come to Jesus, you get a vaccine against sin. But wait, there's more. What's the more? He doesn't give us a vaccine against sin. Jesus Christ took away the power of sin, the ramifications of sin. He took away the power of sin. Now, we hear this all the time. So let me ask you a question. If Jesus completely took away the power of sin, sin no longer has any power over you. That means you are free from the tendency to sin. So this seems to be where they're answering the question. Jesus took away the power of sin from you. Sin no longer has any power over you. Therefore, you can be sinless. Now, they won't say that, but that would have to be the logical conclusion. If if Sin has this power over me. Boom, it's gone. Well, then why do I sin? Well, now it's just because you choose to. Okay, well, then all I got to do. So the key to, I can be holy and I can be perfect simply by choosing not to sin. That seems to be the, that's the logical implications of what he is giving us. And this is the logical implication that is taught in churches all across America. Yet people keep sinning, 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 which leads someone to some point to the point of total despair and saying, you know what? I'm going to deconstruct because this is garbage. It doesn't work. The results of sin, to everyone who believes in him, Jesus Christ removes from us the judgment of sin. So this is something you and I need to hear more than ever. People are terrified of dying. I get it. I understand that. But very few people stop to realize the inevitable. I will die someday. Have I prepared my soul for eternity? Am I S-I-N clear? Only through Jesus Christ is that possible. So consider that. Well, listen, we want to help you in developing a healthy, strong, 
spiritual immune system, if you would, by simply going to jackhibbs.com. There's so much more teaching there available for you. You can just look and see what will appeal to you or what issues going on in your life. We've got the answers there from the Bible, jackhibbs.com. Visit our website, visit our location there because we're ready and we are excited about pointing you to the ultimate physician, the great healer, the great salvation, Jesus Christ. What do you do when the urge to sin rears its ugly head? Do you give in to the temptation or do you walk away? In his brand new book, Temptation, Pastor Jack Hibbs. Oh, we got a new book, ladies and gentlemen. We got a new book on temptation by Jack Hibbs. All right, who out there wants to be? Come on, come on, come on. Who wants to read it for me? Who wants to read it for me and give me their review? I need someone to read this book. All right, I've read so many books on temptation, but it almost always goes that like this, there's some, it's so common. Okay, you can be tempted, but remember, God has gifts set you free from the power of sin, so you can simply choose not to. But nobody ever explains why do we continue to do it over and 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 over. So then you have to reduce sin to very specific external things, right? Like, don't, oh, it's almost like, you know, hey, Jesus tells me, don't do these things. I haven't done those things since I was a child. Then Jesus has to go, well, then go do this. You're like, well, never mind. I, I haven't done that. Yeah, because, because sin is always present in us. So if we've been freed from the power of it, why do we keep sinning? Let's see what he says about this book, Temptation. We, we need to look this book up. All right, here we go. Addresses the alluring enticements that arise in every aspect of life and how scripture provides the encouragement we need to overcome them. The devil will use any means he can to bring us to a standstill in our spiritual walk, whether it's lust, greed, indifference, a short temper, or some other vice. He will find a way to dangle the bait right in front of you. Will you bite? Learn to trust Jesus and resist the temptations in your life with this short but powerful book. Temptation by Jack Hibbs will be mailed to you in thanks for your donation to Real Life Ministries. To order your copy, go to jackhibbs.com or call 877-777-2346. Order your copy today. There you go. You can order your copy today. They're going to help you. They want to help you. They want to help you so much for a donation. Okay. I always love that. Hey, we've got this book that tells you. I got this book right here. Tells you how to overcome temptation. This will help you. This will free you. This will protect you. And you can be yours for the low, low price of. Let me see. I, I wonder. I wonder. Let me see if I can. I'm going to go to the Jack Hibbs app. I'm just curious. Let's see here. Jack Hibbs. Here's the book. Temptation. Okay, it's available. How to order. Okay, let me see how to order. Um, okay, well, I do respect that. I do respect that. Um, I can order the paperback now for a gift of any amount. Okay, I do respect that. Um, that is that is awesome. That that is good. That is good. All right. And then uh so I can order an ebook for any amount. I, I do appreciate that. Okay, I do appreciate that. Um
Yeah, I, I, of any amount. So I could give them a dollar. I could give them two dollars. Okay, I respect that. All right, so so I'm glad I looked it up. I'm glad I looked it up because just so many times it'll be. Uh, is there a money back? <laughs> Someone just asked, is there a money-back guarantee? Hey, this book will help you overcome temptation in two weeks or you get your money back. Okay, that's, no, typically the books on temptation don't work, but that, that is hilarious, okay? But I do, I do appreciate when any ministry is trying to get the books into the, if you believe your message is really going to help people, then you want to get it into hands as many people as possible. So I do appreciate that they're doing that. They put it in ebook format and for any amount. That is great. Now, technically, obviously, they could just give away the ebook and just post it on their app or post it in the app in a, like a PDF format. And so they could do that. But that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. I'm not going to, if they're going to do it for any amount, then people who want to give more can and people who can only give a very little amount. I wonder what's the lowest amount you could give. I wonder what's the lowest amount you could give. Let, uh, let me see here. What would be the lowest amount? I'm going to go with, can I give... Can I give, uh, I wonder if I could give 50 cents. Let me see. I'm just, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah, it looks like I can give 50 cents. Okay, look, all right, that, I admire that. I admire that. So yeah, I, any, any, any 50 cents. So that, that, that is awesome. That is awesome. So I do admire, I do admire that. That is that. So I will, I will not say anything negative about that. Um, but uh, I just, man, Christianity in this, it's just so weird. Like we constantly tell everyone we've been set free from the power of sin. And then we have no explanation of why people keep sinning other than you simply choose to. And if it's simply because your choice, then you can choose to stop sinning. Therefore, Sinless Christians should not be an exception. I mean, I mean, they don't exist, but they should be the norm. They should be what's not only possible, it's what's probable, but nobody ever has an answer to that. Other than, you know, you'll stop sinning if you'll, you'll cancel your Netflix account. If you'll get rid of HBO Max, you'll stop sinning. If you'll stop listening to secular music, you'll stop sinning. It always something like that. That's really what it turns into. So, all right. Well, that didn't really answer the question today. That they told me that they were going to answer, but I, I there's just no way I could ignore that today. There was no way. So um, we, um, I, someone needs to get the book, and uh, we need to look at it and see what its supposed strategy is to overcome temptation. What is the new strategy? Jack Hibbs' book on temptation. You can get it uh, from. Uh, let's see where where do we? What's the site called? JackHibbs.com. JackHibbs.com, the full title of the book, Temptation, The Battle of Your Life. It doesn't appear that it's available on Amazon yet. I guess it was just released. Maybe they sent out that notification in, in conjunction with not only the, the sermon. The sermon was with the release of the book. I don't know. It, it kind of just feels like it's all coming together, which is perfectly okay. Um, but there you go. All right. So we'll stop. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. And, uh, well, we'll do some more live broadcasting here shortly at some point today. All right, thanks for listening. God bless.